Hi, I'm Cheyenne. I'm Ash. And this is The Voiceless. I love that it says, we can hear you. Some As I'm of, chewing. Some kind of weird fucking creepy stalker people. <laughs> Wait, wasn't there, there was a horror movie, wasn't there, where it was like a blind guy? And these people thought he'd be easy to steal from, but then doesn't he end up like killing them all? I can't remember. I don't know. But like, I don't know. usually watch horror movies anyway. <clears throat> really? Why not? Oh, right. Is it because Akash doesn't like them? Yeah. And it's been so long since I've watched one, I don't think I could like <coughs> mentally handle it anymore. Whereas, like, before we started dating i used to watch them like alone by myself <laughs> and um, now i'm like i could watch it with him but i'd be fucking terrified i can watch like i can watch campy horror movies by myself i just can't watch like ones where it's like a woman by herself somewhere because I'm like usually by myself and my rats make noises all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, holy shit. <laughs> of course I didn't make the uh, font on this very big. So thanks, cast me. I totally forgot to post on Instagram yesterday. I also... I'm trying not to chew into the microphone. Um, or talk with my mouth full. But I meant to print out these notes, and then I forgot. I always forget to print stuff out. <clears throat> I, mean, I, I don't have a printer at home, so. Like, I am a grown woman. I shouldn't have issues getting shit done, but I do. So, I don't know. I blame it, me personally, on having mom brain. Since having Drake, I can't remember shit, so. Mm-hmm. He took half my brain power. <laughs> um, okay, but no, so, um, I stopped having any expectations for any movies when I was, how old was I? Fifth? 15 something like that and I got super hyped for X-Men 3 because all the like Archangel was gonna be in it and like I mean Kitty Pride was in it and they showed Juggernaut and all these other cool people and then I went and saw it and I was like this is bullshit (laughs) and it's like one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life (laughs) (laughs) and yeah, ever since ever since X-Men 3, I'm like, okay, so go in with low or zero expectations going forward for any kind of film, because yeah. like in when, a lot of ways, Brett Ratner disappointed me a lot more than my own father has. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Brett Ratner. I mean, Rush Hour is... Decently, I mean, what is the word? Entertain, entertaining, entertaining. I'm like entertainable. I'm like that's not a word, <laughs> but it could be. Um, but yeah, with like hustlers, I don't know. I thought I expected 
more of, I don't know, more stripper scenes. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, like sometimes like that could have been. And I'm like, Cardi B was in this and she, <sighs> she was a stripper. But she like danced <clears throat> for maybe 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Uh, can we see more of this <laughs> I know right like I hate it when like I know but like as a movie in itself like it was good it was just yeah. wasn't what I was expecting well that's also kind of like when I went to go see Magic Mike and then Magic Mike XXL like they do have really decent dance scenes mm-hmm. with the strippers but it, see, it, was... they're always marketed as stripper movies and then there's hardly any stripping stripping scenes yeah like, I was expecting even more on, like, a Magic Mike level for Hustlers, but that's not yeah what it is. Which is fine, like... Anytime. But, they, yeah, like, they marketed it <clears throat> as, like, a stripper movie. I'm like, okay. But then I'm like, but there's not... I don't know. It's like you say it's a stripper movie, but, um... Where's the stripping? Where's the boobies? Like, stripping is seriously an art. Oh, for sure. And I'm like, that's what I want to see. I know. Every time I see videos on, like, TikTok or whatever, I'm like... Right? Holy shit. Like, Like, I want to pole dance. Nice core strength, because holy fuck. And I know their shoes aren't made to be, like... Practical. (laughs) Their shoes are, like, made for dancing, specifically. I think, anyway. I don't think, like, any time I've seen anyone try to walk in those shoes, it's always, like, those videos where they fall over. Like, those, uh, <laughs> what is that? Horror, horror, horror or something? Horror, horror? <laughs> what is that Instagram? They always post, like, I don't know, like, but the... I sent you a video. I'm positive yeah. it was someone like, in... It's, like, those, like, 12-inch yeah. fucking heels yeah. and just, like fall over and then like if it's not a flat surface like r.i.p your fucking ankles (laughs) like me on a good day wearing sneakers can roll my ankle like i know i roll my ankle in like bare feet at home so heels are not for me it is ridiculous sometimes the things i can do like at home and I'm just like, how have I survived this long in the real world? Uh, it is horror whore on Instagram. Horror. Okay. That's hard to say. Horror whore. I would just write horror queen and then do like W. Ooh, I wonder if that's a handle. Like horror queen. Let's see. I don't know. They have some creepy shit on this uh, Instagram. Is it a person or is it just someone that posts like horror horror stuff? I think it's just like they just post random things. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Unicorn tears and vampire tears. <laughs> <laughs> I love um Ryan showed me this meme the other day. It was like <laughs> It was like, hey, I broke this silver liquid out of my thermometer and I've been playing with it for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine finding a possum in your mailbox? Ashley just showed me a meme. It was funny. And then the bed I'm sitting on made a bunch of noise. I didn't like... It wasn't me. (laughs) It wasn't me. 
Oh my god, Kate <laughs> says this cat looks like it is wearing the fur of its enemies. <laughs> <laughs> looks like Jon Snow. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> the cat of the Night's Watch. <laughs> that is hilarious. If you had your own bakery, what would you call it? Um, I don't know. Because I feel like you need, like, especially nowadays, you need, like, a... You need something a catchy. nifty name. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'll think on it. <laughs> I've thought about it a couple times, like, running something out of my house, but I'm like, I have so much shit going on right now. Like... Don't need the house department in my house. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice because I do enjoy baking. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I, we already have like our own full-time jobs, plus the podcast, plus I have Drake, plus I have like studying I'm doing once in a while, not as much as I should, luckily. I'm like, <clears throat> that'll be done soon. I consider like... And then, yeah, I don't know, existing. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's like a job in itself. It's so ridiculous that... We can, like, as adults, we can hardly, like, juggle all these things. And then you have people who kind of, like, not necessarily force their kids, but encourage their kids to take up all these activities. Mm -hmm. And it's like, gosh, like, your kids need rest. (laughs) Yeah. Not that that I'm, like, shaming or anything. I just was bringing, I just thought about that, like, when I'm like, hmm, you know what? We are, like, adults are so busy, and Mm -hmm. you see it online all the time where it's, like, just take a moment to, like, even just sit and breathe and, like, how we are trying to, as a society, move into this feeling of, like, accepting the fact that it's okay to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just like what you need. Yeah. And then it makes me think about like all these like high school students who do like extracurricular activities and like all these other programs on and, top like, of like homework. And- yeah. And it's, I can't imagine what it's like being a student now. I mean, I didn't, I don't really remember. You're like, welcome to adulting, of- motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed your childhood up until you hit high school, because it's fucking over now. It just hits you like a freaking huge, like, king-size pillowcase full of bars of soap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Well, that's, like, Drake, like, I don't know what is up. Like, he he has a cash's, like, sleep schedule almost. Like, mm-hmm. Doesn't that he'll mean he's, fall like, awake as- all night? Well, he goes to, he won't fall asleep until, like, midnight. And then this fucking kid's up at, like, six in the morning. And I'm like, oh my God. what is like, wrong with you? Uh, like, this is the time. Sleep as much as possible, because you're yeah. going to get to a certain age, and you're going to wish you could sleep all the time. Oh, my gosh. I know what you mean. Like, <clears throat> I think Benjamin is moving into that age where they get rid of that nap. Afternoon nap. Yeah, that afternoon nap. We should never get rid of afternoon naps. We really shouldn't, because, like, I need an afternoon nap every so often. Like, how much more productive would I be if I got to nap for, like, an hour? Mm-hmm. Every day. I think I'm going to nap later. 
I was just like, I could go for a nap right about now. I know. I'm like, I just ate a cupcake. I'm drinking coffee, which like, I love how some people can be so like jacked up on caffeine. And then here's me like chugging a freaking extra large to cream and I'm ready to go like sleepy buys over here. Mm -hmm. I hate Pepsi. Um, sorry. Yeah, I got Diet Pepsi, and I'm just like, this tastes like shit. Um, I don't know. Talk come for me, whoever likes Pepsi, but like, <clears throat> you're wrong. <laughs> I stand by it. I said what I said. Excuse me for having to clear my throat. I'm probably gonna have to do that a few more times. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so my case today, like, I feel like a lot of people are going to know about it because it is, like, a Netflix thing that came out this year. Mm. Or, sorry, last year. keep forgetting that we're in a different year now. (laughs) I keep saying last year or this year when I mean 2020, and I'm like, nope, we are in a different year now. The fact that it's already March of 2021, like, that's, we are moving in... Like, at the end of this month, it will have been, like, the first quarter of the year. hmm So. Yeah, and as of, like, again. what, a week and a half from now, it would have been, like, a year since the pandemic hit, like, Canada. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, uh, j- almost a year ago, like, March 7th will be the year anniversary that like drake and my in-laws went back to india that was Mm -hmm. supposed to be for 45 days and they ended up stuck there for six months (laughs) did you ever count how many days they actually spent in india versus what they not days but like months Mm -hmm. because it was supposed to be a month and a half and they got back the end of july instead of mid-april yeah that's far too long (laughs) which oh my goodness i mean they got back so and yeah, nobody got COVID, like, so that's like, all that really matters. Yeah, and it was like a hell of a time too, though. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, you guys, how often were they scheduled to come back, and then they just weren't allowed on the plane? Uh, it was like three times in total, which is freaking heartbreaking. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah, last year was a rough year. I mean, as soon as they got back, I was like, I could care less what happens with COVID Mm. like my my kids back my in-laws are back I don't give a shit yeah (laughs) which like sounds horrible being like I don't give a shit about anybody else but like in that moment I'm like that's all I care about like yeah because there were days where I would like cry and be like what if I never see Drake again like Mm -hmm. because you don't know like I mean it wouldn't have I would have seen him at some point but like it some days it just felt like they were never gonna get back over here and, like, we wouldn't have let them go in the first place if we knew fucking COVID mm. was even going to be a thing to begin with. Just the fact that... Sorry, I almost, like, choked on my own saliva there. Um, <laughs> constantly, my body's just trying to shut down. Um, they left, like, two weeks before Canada was like, hey we should probably shut this bitch down. Yeah. And yeah, it was like maybe a full week. And then all of a sudden it was like, I mean, COVID's like, in Canada. It's a pandemic. And I was like, 
holy shit like what did we just do like i totally understand that they would have blocked you them from coming back because of like covid but like sometimes it just didn't feel like that yeah just felt like they were picking on you but i don't know that's my perspective yeah sorry i had to flip that in because i think that's the only way that the screen's gonna stay on okay perfect um yeah i guess we'll get into this jump in um I'm like, wait, was there a song called Jump In? But I think what I'm thinking of is Jump On It. Hmm. Yeah. Or there was that, um... Jump On It. What was that? Jump Around or something. Oh, yeah. Like, what's his name? Um... I know, the name's escaping me right now. I'm like, don't look like an idiot right now. <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff, is that what it is? Something no. like that, yeah. Can't remember. I just remember, I think he was on, not him, but there was an actor who did a lip sync battle, I think, with one of, some song by DJ Jazzy Jeff. So I don't know if that's why I'm thinking of him. <laughs> Feel free to correct me. Yeah. If you're out there and you know the answer to whatever we're butchering in here. Whatever random shit we're talking about. Oh, yeah, baby. I mean, it's always something, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, so today I am covering the case of Sintoya Brown, um, who is also known by Sintoya Brown Long now because she did get married uh, recently. Um, yeah, so for those of you don't, that don't know, like, um, there is a Netflix documentary on her case that came out in 2020 it is called murder to mercy the Sintoya brown story um and it was released april 29th 2020 um so hers is like a widely known case but it does happen way more often than i think people realize or talk about and so like this is going to lead into a whole nother probably series that we're going to do on like trafficking and you know, all that <clears throat> fun stuff, air quotes. Yeah. And I think we should also talk about, cause I know they have organizations. I know crime junkie, forget the innocence project is that yeah. what it is um where they deal with wrongfully incarcerated yeah there's um prisoners. the podcast unjust and unsolved mm -hmm. is my favorite one she works with the innocence project because it's like i mean we've seen it so many times in other true crime episodes like not necessarily our podcast but in others where Essentially, if the person who is taking care of the case or doing whatever, if they just don't like someone in particular, they just they try to find any way to make that person look guilty. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So, Santoya Brown was born at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, on January twenty ninth, nineteen eighty eight. 
Um, it is unknown who her father is, which I mean, like, <laughs> that happens often. <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, her biological mother, Georgina Mitchell. Um, before I, yeah, before I get into this, I just want to say, like, we are not judging the actions of the parents in this situation and nobody else should either. I mean, like, I can't, I can tell you not to judge people, but like, you're going to judge if you want to, but like, yeah. just don't be an asshole. Um, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I mean, who doesn't belong to a roast group on Facebook? There's such a thing as roasting and like, it's not the same as judging people. But yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, her biological mother, Georgina Mitchell, drank alcohol during her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I wanted to throw that in there. Right. I mean, like, I, you know, I'll keep my opinions to myself on that one. Well, and I mean, like, it's worth noting, I, like, I know a few people who, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, have worked in, like, uh, facilities that help people who, um, have like, uh, like fetal alcohol syndrome or something that was caused by someone like drinking while they were pregnant. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think a lot of it too is like, there is a lot of ignorance around wine apparently <laughs> where people, like, again, I'm not laughing at people choosing to drink while they're pregnant or like I'm not making fun of them or anything. I, I laugh when I'm uncomfortable, but <clears throat> there's that myth where it's like, oh, one glass of wine is okay while you're pregnant. Yeah, it's like, um, no, it's actually not. Mm-hmm. Like, just don't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. I'm not gonna get into that right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> that's just gonna turn into its own thing. Um, but yeah, so Centoya's defense attorney would later claim that this caused her to develop fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which I guess that's what it's called now. Um, oh, okay. Following Centoya's birth, her mom began to use crack cocaine, um, and unable to care for Centoya, her mom placed her up for adoption, and she was adopted by um, Elanette Brown. Okay. And, uh, yeah, in the Netflix special, like, Elanette is, like, by Centoya's side, like, the entire time, and she's very, mm-hmm. like, she seems amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, although raised in a loving home, Centoya began to have encounters with the juvenile court system. She spent time with the State Department, oh, the State's Department of Children's Services, or uh, DCS, I think they call it. Um Okay. Between April 2001 and September 2003, after committing, quote, crimes against a person and crimes against property, um, according to a spokeswoman for DCS. Mm-hmm. I keep wanting to say CFS because that's what it's CFS, called over here. Yeah. Um, while in custody of the DCS, Centoya spent two years um in their facilities, including a year at Woodland Hills Youth Development Center in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had fled these facilities several times, eventually ending up as a runaway on the streets of Nashville in August 2004. Which, like, sorry, again, were these, like, 
detention facilities like they were to punish her for crimes she did as so, a yeah. like juvenile detention oh, center okay. but like i think it's specifically for <clears throat> kids that are part of the system oh okay like the child services yeah um so while she was a runaway centoya met um gary mclaughlin um mclaughlin <laughs> No, oh. McGlothin. McGlothin? Yeah. Um, A.K.A. Cutthroat. <laughs> Wasn't there a character named Cutthroat in the Taylor Swift Bad Blood video? Oh, I'm not a Taylor Swift <laughs> person, so I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so he began trafficking her. So. Okay. Um, and from what I've read and seen mm. and listened to, like, he... Um, and how embodied his his nickname or his street name. And how old was she at the time that they met? Did it sixteen? Oh my god! And I'm assuming he was like an old, probably like older. Well, obviously older because that's kind of generally what a lot of them are like. They're usually in their late twenties, early thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, so during this time, she lived at an in-town suites hotel, and Centoya supported um, Gary, a.k.a. Cutthroat, <laughs> and herself via involuntary prostitution as a victim of domestic minor sex trafficking. And according to Centoya, um, Cut, or Gary, whatever you want to refer to him Gary. as, uh, threatened, beat, and raped her on multiple occasions. Um, so into the events that led to Centoya's arrest. So on the night of August 6, 2004, 16-year-old Centoya met 43-year-old Johnny Michael Allen, which also, what is it with dudes and these three fucking first names? I Johnny Michael Allen. I was like, fuck off. Can um, you imagine he goes by Johnny Michael? <laughs> uh, in the parking lot of a Sonic drive-in on... I'm going to butcher this. Um, Murfreesboro Road in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Johnny was a real estate agent, a youth pastor, and a Sunday school teacher and had started a homeless ministry at a local Baptist church. I will keep my opinions to myself about youth pastors. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. All of his friends and family were like, he would never like hire a prostitute or what he's too good of a person i'm like mm. you can know someone for like i maintain you can know someone for a thousand years and still be like they can still do shit like this like yeah oh my god i mean if he's a youth pastor and teaches sunday school he's obviously not going to be open about hiring prostitutes or sorry sex workers and like underage traffic ones yeah, at that. Exactly. Like, obviously. Oh my god. Um and that's like when in uh other podcasts they're like, and the they say he was a pillar of the community. <laughs> and I'm like, you never want to be labeled the pillar of the community. Some fucking community. Because <laughs> I will immediately think you're a serial killer. <laughs> I know. Or a pedophile. <laughs> there are just so many things you just don't want to be. Like, that's just, like, that starter pack meme that we shared. <laughs> Super real, man. 
Um, so according to a detective on the case, Johnny asked her if she was hungry and if she was, quote, up for any action, which I'm like, that's just Ew. gross. Um, the detective asserted that Centoya answered yes to both questions and accepted Johnny's offer to take her to his house, um, where, and then Centoya and Johnny ordered dinner and Johnny drove the pair to his home. The name Johnny, all I think of is that cartoon Johnny Bravo. <laughs> hey, mama. <laughs> uh, I love Johnny Bravo. That was like my favorite cartoon. I mean, up. I'm pretty sure I shouldn't say I love Johnny Bravo because you can probably rewatch it and be like, oh, maybe there was a lot of sexual harassment. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was the 90s, early 2000s. <sighs> There's a lot of shows that we watched growing up that I'm like, this is problematic. Hell, like, even, like, late 90s movies I watch sometimes, like, and they just, they say things, and I'm like, they said this shit back then? Like, holy crap. Uh, At a later hearing, Centoya testified that she agreed to have sex with Johnny for $150, but claimed that they never actually engaged in sexual intercourse. Johnny's friends and family denied that he had tried to solicit Centoya for sex, instead claiming that he was trying to help her. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the lead prosecutor on the case, Jeff Burke, stipulated that Johnny picked Centoya up to pay her for sex, stating, quote, that was a fact from start to finish, end quote. Uh, in court documents, another minor who was a waitress at a local restaurant claimed that she and the other young teens at that restaurant felt uncomfortable whenever they had to serve Johnny. The waitress who testified for the court said that he would hit on the teens regularly. So Ew. just disgusting. Um, so this is what happened according to prosecutors. Um, so at some point during the encounter, Centoya shot Johnny in the back of the head using her um, 40 caliber handgun. I think that is it. Or is it like 0.40? I'm not a guns person. Huh? I this think is the second one where I'm like, I don't know anything I, about I, guns. I think you can just say like 40 caliber. Okay. I think that's how they say it. That's how I'm going to say it. Come for me. Um, <laughs> she then stole $172 from Johnny's wallet and two of his firearms and fled the scene in Johnny's truck. Uh, Centoya then left his truck at a Walmart parking lot and flagged down an SUV for a ride home. Police later found Centoya and Gary at the nearby in-town suites. In a letter asking Governor Haslam Haslam to deny clemency, the lead detective in the case of Johnny's murder wrote that on August 7th, Centoya had a neighbor drive her to the Walmart where she had left Johnny's truck. The detective says that Centoya asked her neighbor to drive her back to Johnny's house so that she could steal more items, but he refused. The neighbor reportedly told the detective that Centoya told him that she, quote, shot somebody in the head for $50,000 and some guns. Oh, my God. And that she, quote, shot somebody in the head last night and blew his brains out, end quote. Which I mean, like, I feel like, mm, I don't know. This is my opinion. We'll throw that out there. Mm-hmm. I think the neighbor's full of shit. Because she got $172. Why yeah. would she be like, I shot somebody for 50 grand? Yeah, like, and one, 
should youth pastors even have 50 grand on them? Let's, <laughs> let's be fucking real here, okay? If some guy was walking around with, like, 50 grand cash, because I'm assuming that's what the neighbor is accusing her of, is, like, her claiming she, I don't know. If like are they saying like she was a hit person? I don't or know. like it's or, just like, weird. she stole fifty grand. I don't it's know. It's just weird. Why would you have fifty grand cash on you? That's what Jesus. That's what I'm like, this doesn't make sense, but okay. Whatever you say, sir. Um the I'm gonna sound real dumb saying this, so uh <laughs> rolled on. Royal Dawn. Uh, so the detective further asserted that Centoya told the neighbor that the killing was a, quote, fat lick, <laughs> which apparently means robbery. Um, okay. Yeah, so this fat quote's going to be fun for me. Um, feel free to laugh at me as I say this. Uh, so, and that she had been, quote, waiting on a lick like that all week. <laughs> I just, I'm I like, was, I'm too white to talk like this. I love that, like, that, like, feel free to laugh at me. It's like, oh, I do. <laughs> Constantly. To your face and behind your back. <laughs> to your face. <laughs> One of my favorite, like, I, I know I'm gonna, like, go off on a tangent here, but on Friends, when Monica would get mad at Chandler about things he said, and she's like, you called me this, and he's like, that is, like, different because, uh, like, you weren't supposed to hear that. I said that behind your back. <laughs> uh, so, according to the detective, after the neighbor told his roommate about the incident, Centoya called him on the phone and threatened him, saying, quote, you better stop running your fucking mouth about my business or I'll get you to. My gosh. Um, so... Following her arrest, Sintoya was charged with homicide, aggravated robbery, handgun possession, and criminal impersonation, which I'm not sure where that last one came from, but um, despite being only 16 at the time of the killing, she was tried as an adult. Which is fucking weird. Yeah. Um, this which, I mean, like, there are definitely moments where you should try the kid as an adult, but, like, this really isn't one of them. Yeah. Um, so this decision came from Metro Juvenile Court Judge Betty Adams Green on November 14th, 2004, who argued that it was too much of a risk to the community to keep the 16-year-old in the juvenile court system. Um, so Centoya has never denied shooting Johnny. Rather, she argued that the act was committed in self-defense. Um, Centoya stated that Johnny had intimidated by her by repeatedly standing over her and touching her while she lay in his bed. And that she believed Johnny was reaching for a firearm as the two lay in bed. This led her to shoot Johnny with her own firearm, which she had gotten from um, Cut. I have her pimp, but I'm like, I feel gross saying that. But um, yeah. uh, for protection which i mean like i get it i could um prosecutors no, I... took the stance that centoya had not been in danger and that she murdered johnny as he slept naked in bed in order to rob him which like i hate i'm like you weren't fucking there like well, and also, you don't know like... how this 16 year old was feeling around this 43 year old man who's like 
oh, I have this gun, I have this gun, I have many guns, blah, 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 I'm big shit, like... I think it's gross for people to say, oh, this 16-year-old had no reason to be afraid of this grown 43-year-old man who bought her to have sex with her. Mm -hmm. Like, that is gross and she absolutely had every right to feel like she was in a dangerous situation because I feel like that alone is that like that's a dangerous situation yeah like and it's not it's not a fucking safe situation I'll tell you that yeah exactly um so the evidence presented by the prosecution was that um police had noted that there was no gun found under or near Johnny's bed Mm-hmm. Um, based on the position in which his body was discovered, investigators believe that Johnny was asleep while he was shot, which like in the documentary, they do show like, uh, the crime scene photos mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do it right here, but like, <laughs> he was like in the photos, he was lying on his side with his face, like facing the edge of the bed and like his hands were like folded like this like in front of his face so i kind of see where they're coming from but i'm like i don't know like Mm -hmm. i don't know how quickly a person like drops to a certain position or whatever when they get shot like i've never been in that situation i never plan on it so i i don't know yeah um random noises uh, forensics noted that post-mortem, uh, Johnny was lying with his hands underneath his head with his fingers interlocked. That's what I was just demonstrating to mm. Cheyenne. Yes. Um, since you guys can't see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the stereotypical, like, going to sleep, like, your hands are cradling your face. Yeah. Um, on August 14th, Centoya was taken to the Western Mental Health Institute for an evaluation. Uh, According to court documents, Centoya allegedly attacked and threatened a nurse at the Mental Health Institute after the nurse did not allow her to call her adoptive mother. The nurse claimed that Centoya jumped over her desk, grabbed her hair and face, and hit her, giving her several bruises and abrasions. During the attack, Centoya allegedly told the nurse, quote, I shot a man in the back of the head one time, bitch. I'm going to shoot you in the back of the head three times. I'd love to hear your blood splat, uh, splatter on the wall, end quote. Um, what? Yeah. That's I, hardcore. It is hardcore. And, like, I get in the documentary, like, I'm not saying, like, she's perfect or whatever but i just didn't get that kind of vibe from her but said she said this sorry one of the nurses at the mental health institute which i'm like "Mm." that seems kind of hammed up that seems super dramatic and i don't know that seems like scripted almost you know it it seems very like gangster movie kind of like oh i shot one person in the back to hunt Back of the head one time, bitch, I'll fucking get you three times. Like, it sounds yeah, like... it seems like something that, was like... Was this a Quentin Tarantino movie? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Like, that's something Samuel L. Jackson would say. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> like, in, um, the, uh... There's that one meme or whatever with, like, Samuel L. Jackson. Jesus. 
if Samuel L. Jackson narrated your voice, like the voice in your head, and <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was like the main character is like a little, like an eight year old girl, but Samuel L. Jackson's like her inner voice, so it was like. I knew that if I was gonna win like sugar drop queen, I had to take out this bitch or whatever. Like it just <laughs> sounds like something like that. Um, yeah, so this nurse along with another um Western Mental Health Institute employee who witnessed the incident also testified at trial, which I mean like people perjure themselves on stand all the time, so um Three jail inmates hoping to receive leniency in their own pending criminal cases claim Centoya spoke to them about the crime and convince or Jesus Christ <laughs> confessed to killing Johnny quote just to see how it felt to kill somebody. Um, one inmate later gave police a note Centoya had allegedly given her, which said quote Everything is the truth. I swear it on my life, except for I thought I he, I thought he was getting a gun, and the feeling of nervousness. End quote. At trial, a forensic document examiner testified that, in his opinion, the note was written by Centoya. Mm-hmm. Um, the cellmate whom Centoya had given the note to and spoken with also testified at trial. But I mean, like playing devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. These three inmates also had pending trials and they testified like to receive leniency in their own mm-hmm. trials. So like I take what they say with a grain of salt. Yeah. Anytime, anytime someone offers up information in order to kind of like lessen their sentence or it's some kind of personal gain, I feel like, it definitely should be taken with a grain of salt. Yeah. Like, that shouldn't even be a thing. No. Like, even if it's factual, like, mm-hmm. can the source be trusted? Exactly. I mean... Like, we're not we're not saying it because they're... Um, inmates, but just, like... Saying it because they're saying, oh, I, I'll tell you this if you give me this. Like, that's... Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't trust anyone, like, not in a prison to do that mm-hmm. in any situation. Um, so there was further evidence against Centoya that came from a phone call between her and her adoptive mother, um, in which during the phone call, Centoya said, quote, I killed somebody. I executed him. And in the documentary on Netflix, like, her adoptive mom like in the phone call, because they played it at trial. Mm-hmm. And in the phone call, her, like, Ellenette, her adoptive mother was like, why do you do that to yourself? Like, you're making it so easy for, like, the prosecution to charge you. And she was like, well, that's, like, that's how they're seeing it. Like, that's, they're not, like, they don't believe it was self-defense kind of thing. Like, they think yeah. I just, like, executed it. And they they kind of saw later on that like she I don't know how to say it but like because of like being on the streets and all that like there was some not delay I don't want to call Mm -hmm. it a delay but just like the way she says things is like different than how she was meaning to say it Okay. Yeah. So, like, 
um like even slang sometimes yeah but or also just like, like but they said that she also had fasd yeah so it's possible that she had um po- like she had issues kind of processing information yeah that's what i was trying oh, to okay <laughs> yeah so like well, even, like, even with ADHD, sometimes, like, it can take me even sometimes a little bit to, to process, like, when someone's talking to me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, like, I I don't have FASD, so I don't know what it's like with that, but, like, doesn't sound like she was getting any kind of treatment or any kind of support to help her mm-hmm. with, like, with that. Um but yeah, I totally get what you mean now. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, much. it took no. me a second no, to like no, figure out what like, exactly I was trying to say. Well, and then like you want to say it in a way that doesn't make you seem like ignorant or rude, because that's not what we're trying to be. Yeah, but that's no, the biggest I, thing. I'm like, how do I say this without sounding like an absolute ass? Like, mm-hmm. well, um, how like even some like there's communication issues even when there aren't any pre-existing conditions with with people Mm -hmm. so i don't know that's that's silly yeah um so the evidence that was presented by centoya and her team um so at trial defense attorneys argued that 43 year old johnny had a quote dark side which i mean like i everybody does i agree with that and was intent on sexually assaulting 16-year-old Centoya when he got in bed with her naked. Mm-hmm. Um, the, defen- the defense stance was that Centoya was defending herself against sexual assault when she killed Johnny. Um, also during the trial, Centoya was never referred to by the prosecution as a, quote, victim of minor sex trafficking, um, but they repeatedly described her as a teen prostitute. Which, like, fuck right off. That's... It is different. Like... That's disgusting. I mean, welcome to America. It's <laughs> I'm gonna nasty. get shit for that one. <laughs> well, no, that even, like, that just reminds me of even the fucking, like, the Tina Fontaine one, where, you know, she was spotted in the vehicle of a drunken man by two cops. And, and they didn't do anything. Yeah, it's like, well... There, there are those pre-existing, um, would it be a prejudice, I guess, you know, to just assume that, like, any young woman of color who is with an older gentleman is just automatically... A sex worker? Yeah, and... (sighs) What if it was a white girl? They will be arrested real fucking quick. Like, they're underage. Like, that simple fact says they're not consenting. That yeah. They can't consent to anything that is happening to them. Mm-hmm. It's fucking disgusting. Um, so during the trial, Centoya presented several witnesses on her behalf. One of these witnesses had previously dated Johnny. Um, and during one alleged incident, Johnny invited her into his home and began kissing her. The witness testified that she told Johnny that she did not want to have sex, and she claimed that he then proceeded to rape her. Oh, boy. So, you know, real stand-up dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've passed her. 
I mean, I'm sure there's lots of pastors out there that are great, but uh, you don't hear very many stories about the good ones. There was another witness, a 17-year-old girl who worked at a restaurant um, whom the judge did not allow the jury to hear, labeling labeling her testimony as, quote, irrelevant. Um, According to this witness, Johnny handed her his business card and wrote a personal message on the back saying, quote, you're gorgeous. I'd love to take you out sometime, so let me know. End quote. Ew. Yeah. The witness further testified that other teens who worked at the restaurant felt uncomfortable serving Johnny because of his flirtati- flirtatious behavior with them. So I don't get why the judge was like, this is irrelevant. I mean, it seems pretty fucking relevant to me. I'm uh, just shaking my head because, <laughs> like, I... Anytime there is, like, a history of sexual harassment, it's like, oh, no, he was just being, like, whatever. Or, no, it was, there was miscommunication, this. It's like, no, boys will I'm, be boys. like, bro, I'm showing you, this person has a history of sexually harassing young women, and you're saying it's irrelevant? Yeah. Like, no, he clearly has a history of, being disgusting yeah and like i unfortunately think it is highly possible that centoya is was not the first teenager he sexually assaulted yeah i'd say that's probably a fair Mm -hmm. assumption um so centoya brown was found guilty of first degree murder felony murder and aggravated robbery and was sentenced to life in prison and she was 16 at the time what the fuck mm-hmm. and what year was she convicted sorry uh 2004 oh okay Centoya served her sentence at the Tennessee Prison for Women which is a maximum security detention facility in Nashville Tennessee Under her original sentence, she would have been eligible for parole at the age of 67. Um, In prison, Centoya earned her her GED with a score of 656. And I looked it up because I'm like, I don't know Mm -hmm. GED. The average score is 609. Oh, wow. So she's quite intelligent. Mm -hmm. Um, In March 2005, an an associate degree in liberal liberal arts with a 4.0 GPA in December 2015. Good for her. I know. I'm like, damn, girl. Um, from Lipscomb University and a Bachelor's of Professional Studies in Organizational Leadership with a 4.0 GPA in May 2019 from the same university. Um, she was referenced as a model prisoner in testimony presented at her clemency hearing before the Tennessee Board of Parole. Sorry, I'm like all tongue-twisted, tw- tongue tongue-tied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of words. It is Monday. Welcome to my life. Um, so Centoya's former pimp, um, Gary McLaughlin, McLaughlin, aka Cutthroat McGoth, <laughs> uh, died on March 30th, 2005 at the age of 24. So he would have been like 23, I guess, when good this was happening. Um, having been shot and killed by, um, Cortez Hines, which I can only assume is a street name of somebody. Maybe. Uh, his story was featured in the 2011 documentary Me Facing Life, um, Centoya's story. Uh, the producer of 
the me facing life. Um, Dan Berman continued to follow Centoya's case and other instances of juvenile sentenced to long terms in prison in a seven part online video series in 2016 to 2017 called Sentencing Children. Mm-hmm. Um, this was done in collaboration with the PBS series Independent Lens and reporter Anita What um, a Honey. I'm probably butchering that, um, at the Tennessean newspaper. Unused footage from these products or projects was repurposed into the Netflix um, original documentary titled Murder to Mercy, the Centoya Brown story, which I do suggest everybody goes and watches that. Um, while still in prison, Centoya married musician and entrepreneur Jamie Long, um, CEO of JFAM Music, Inc., and co-owner of a Texas healthcare business who performed under the name Jay Long and was formerly associated with the R&B group Pretty Ricky. <laughs> Do you remember Pretty Ricky uh-huh. growing up? Fucking love their stuff. Um, she's now <laughs> referred to as Centoya Brown Long. Sorry, just drinking coffee and okay. like a mouthful of coffee there. <laughs> yeah, so... On November 21st, 2017, sorry, all of a sudden my mouth just got like full of saliva. Centoya's um, <laughs> case went viral following several high profile celebrity social media posts expressing outrage over her sentence. Um, celebrities that posted include Rihanna, Kim Kardashian, T.I., Snoop Dogg, and LeBron James. The outcry helped spark or yeah helped spark yep (laughs) i wrote that wrong (laughs) this is why i need to like spell check my notes sometimes wow (laughs) that was a good song um no doubt the outcry helped spark a national debate about child trafficking and the failure of the u.s juvenile justice system to identify and support at-risk youth It also prompted Tennessee to re-examine its own unusually harsh juvenile sentencing laws, which require under-18-year-olds convicted of first-degree murder to face 51 years behind bars before a chance of parole, which does seem really fucking excessive. Uh I mean, mean, like other things, like case-by-case basis, right? Yeah. That's how I feel about the death penalty. (laughs) Like, (laughs) case-by-case. Yeah, case-by-case, for sure. If you fuck with kids, then yeah, one hundred percent. I have zero sympathy for you today. Um, before her petition for clemency was granted, um, Centoya would have not been eligible for parole until she was sixty-nine years old. At, and that's like going to prison at sixteen. Like, it's fucking. Well, I don't insane. even understand how they managed to somehow convict her. It was first degree. Right? Uh, yeah, she got. Yeah, like. Um, she was convicted or found guilty of first degree murder, felony murder, and aggravated robbery. Ew. Um, so in March 2018, it was announced that the Tennessee Board of Parole would hold a hearing on Centoya's clemency peti- petition, a move that only 2% of Tennessee clemency applicants see. Mm-hmm. The public hearing was held on May 28, 2018, at the Tennessee Prison for Women. At the hearing, several witnesses that knew Centoya from prison testified on her behalf, including uh, Lipscomb University faculty, 
her former prosecutor, Preston Ship, prison employees, local victim rights advocates, and a local nonprofit leader who ran a mentoring group for at-risk teens with Centoya. Um, Johnny's friend testified against clemency. Um, Charles Robinson, a Nashville police detective who served as the lead detective in Johnny's murder investigation, also testified against clemency for Centoya. He told the board that he did not believe there was any evidence to support the claim that she had been trafficked since she was 12 and that Johnny's killing was unjustified. Which, like, go fuck yourself, dude. No shit. Um, the parole board was divided, with two voting to grant Centoya clemency with her having already served 15 years. Two voting that Centoya's sentence should be reduced from 51 years to 25 years and two voting to deny clemency. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so on December 6, 2018, I almost said 2008. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on December 6, 2018, the Tennessee support Supreme Court, Jesus Christ, I'm having a hard time right now. <laughs> All these legal words. <laughs> it's the word Tennessee always fucks me up for Cause you're the only 10 I see. <laughs> I'm a loser. Oh my God. I Welcome to my podcast. I love it. Um, all right. Try number three. <laughs> On December 6, 2018, the Tennessee Supreme Court answered a question of law in conjunction with Centoya's federal habeas corpus appeal, stating that she would be eligible for parole after serving 51 years. In response to the Tennessee Supreme Court's ruling, a wave of, su of support resurged that encouraged Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam to grant Centoya Brown clemency. Sorry, that was... Oh, I, I was like, like is something, something falling? No. I was like, shit, is my mic going to fall? I think we're okay. Um, letters and phone calls flooded the governor's office and social media. Detective Charles Robinson wrote a seven-page letter urging Governor Haslam not to give Centoya clemency. He wrote that, quote, Centoya Brown did not commit this murder because she was a child sex slave, as her advocates would like you to believe. Centoya Brown's motives for murdering Johnny Allen in his sleep was robbery, end quote. He also wrote, quote, at the beginning of this investigation, I considered the possibility that Centoya Brown was justified in killing Johnny Allen. At the conclusion of this investigation, my findings were that she was not justified in killing Mr. Allen and her only motivation for the murder was robbery. On January 7th, 2019, Governor Haslam commuted Centoya's sentence of life in prison to 15 years plus 10 years of supervised parole. Centoya was released from prison on August 7th, 2019. Um, yeah, so when he um, commuted her sentence, she had six months left to hit the 15-year mark. Oh, okay. So, or I guess, like, seven months. Mm hmm Yeah. Um, I remember they they showed that part in the documentary of, like, when her lawyers found out. And, like, they had her on speakerphone when they told her. And, like, her family was all around. Mm -hmm. And they were just, like, in tears pretty much because they were so excited. That's awesome. Um, 
Governor Haslam said his decision came, quote, after careful consideration of what is a tragic and complex case, and further stated that, quote, imposing a life sentence on a juvenile that would require her to serve at least 51 years before even being eligible for parole consideration is too harsh, end quote. Uh, friends and family of Johnny did not approve of Governor Haslam's, Haslam's decision, <laughs> writing on the Friends of Johnny Allen Facebook page, quote, Our hearts are broken today as the governor has decided to grant Johnny's murderer clemency. The activist mob, with their repetition of Centoya's lies and slander, managed to prevail against justice, end quote. I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I'm going to give them to myself. <laughs> yeah, that might be bad for us to do that. I'm not trying to get sued. Um, <laughs> since her release from prison, Sintoya Brown-Long has conducted numerous interviews sharing her insight and critique of the criminal justice system. She has been the featured keynote speaker for different groups across the country, sharing her testimony of surviving domestic minor sex trafficking, and her experience with the criminal justice system. She, is common, she has been commonly referenced as an advocate and activist. The American Civil Liberties Union, or ACLU, brought in Centoya to head their national campaign, urging governors to use their executive power of clemency to combat systemic uh, injustice and racism. Mm -hmm. Uh, a memoir of Sintoya's 15 years in prison is titled Free Sintoya, My Search for Redemption in the American Prison System. And it was published by Atria Books on October 15th, 2019. Oh. I'm going to have links for all this stuff in the show notes also. Nice. Um, in addition to her work speaking about her experiences, um, Centoya's life journey has been the interest to notable media giants. Like I've said a couple times, Netflix has a special on this called Murder to Mercy, the Centoya Brown story. And in August 2020, it was announced that Lala Anthony, um, who is a film producer, actress, and wife of... I hate how they're like, and wife of. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, wife of basketball superstar Carmelo Anthony. Um, was working with 50 Cent on a scripted series based on Centoya. So I'm like, I'll watch wow. that. Yeah, no Centoya <laughs> uh, and her husband founded a nonprofit organization together upon her release. The Foundation for Justice, Freedom, and Mercy operates under the name of the JFAM Foundation and is an organization that aims to empower individuals who are at risk of exploitation of criminal justice system involvement. And mm -hmm. that is the story of Centoya Brown-Long. <laughs>